J.I. Packer, who is now home with the Lord, um, you have a quote that you posted recently that I, I love, and this is what he said. If you ask, why is this happening, no light may come. But if you ask, how am I to glorify God now, there will always be an answer. Mm-hmm. Wow. As, as you posted that, uh, what are some thoughts from you as, as you're thinking about this too? Well, my first thought is I remember how uh, G.I. Packer left this world and his last couple of years he, he ended up going blind. He was, he was very old, you know. Yeah. I think he was, I, I don't know, early 90s. And he was, as far as I could tell, you know, from a distance at this point, um, he was the sweetest, uh, uh, kindest guy. And uh, he, he decided at one point, you know what, I, I can no longer be sort of a public theologian. And I'm, I'm just going to uh, um, relax and, uh, you know, live for God and, uh, and, and be a Christian until he calls me home. And that's what he did. And, you know, there was no... Uh, uh, awkward things. There was no uh, anger as far as I could tell. And he, he just loved God and he was willing to um, take life as it came and, and, and what the Lord put in his path. And that's what he did. And, you know, we all face um, challenges. And I, I think the first question we ask 95% of the time, at least I do, is why? Mm-hmm. You know, I want to know the answer yeah. so I can figure it out and then maybe get past this thing. And, uh, J.I. Packer's quote here reminds me, it reminds all of us that God doesn't always give those answers because he's not, he's not looking to give an answer. He's looking for the response of our heart. I mean, isn't that what happened with Job? He asked why the whole time. And, you know, he had all kinds of bad advice and, and bad in, insights from his friends. Some of them were good, but a lot of it was pretty judgmental. And Job really never got an answer. What he got was a vision of God. And he realized that he could trust God, and that's how he glorified God, and that's how um, really the book ends. And so I think that we need to do that as well, don't you? I totally yeah. agree, and I resonate with what you're talking about there. And yeah, you know what I think about? At the end of uh, the book of Job, you get to chapter 42 after all of this stuff. And here's another thing about, you know, the story of Job is endlessly fascinating to me, and this, the book of Job may be the oldest book of the Bible, right, Stan? Yeah, I don't really know, but I think that's a, that's a theory, and I'm, I'm certainly open to it, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah. By the time he gets to the, uh, the end, by the time we end up in chapter 42, of course we know that there was this conversation between mm-hmm. Satan, uh, you know, and the devil, and God, and about uh, Job, and you know, we asked the question, you know, why is this happening to me? Because, Lord, I was following you. I was dedicated to you. I know I'm not perfect, but I sure do love you. Uh, what did I do wrong that I am in this position is a very logical question to ask. And yet, if you look at the story of Job, it wasn't anything he did wrong. It was that he was doing everything right. So it, it yeah. wasn't in his circumstance a situation of, well, I was doing this and this is why the Lord allowed this to happen. But it's because God was bragging on Job, so to speak. Look at my servant Job. And be careful of blaming yourself. I mean, it's self-reflection is a good thing and confession of sin is a good thing. 
but be careful because you know you may have you may be embracing circumstances not because you've done anything wrong but because you've done everything right if and God's economy is upside down in that way and so how do we respond well something that really makes the devil mad is when we are in these circumstances and we glorify God in the midst of them. Mm. We trust him in the midst of this, even with the unanswered questions. And Satan is gnashing his teeth and he's like, oh, man, that's not what I was looking for. Because he even said, if I do this to Job, you know, he's going to basically reject you, God, my paraphrase. He's going to curse you and, and all of this stuff. You know, you have a hedge of protection around him. That's why he's so happy all the time and he's following you. Take away the good circumstances and we'll see who Job really is. And so he deals with all of that. But here's a couple of things. I'll get back to chapter 42 in a moment, Stan. But uh, number one, Job, you're right. He never got the answer why. And also, Based upon what we see in Scripture, he never knew what went on in heaven. He had no clue about that. And then in chapter 42, at the very end of that, so instead of God telling him all of that, then what happened was God just responded by telling Job who he is. God said, this is who I am. That was his answer. And then we get to 42, uh, chapter 42, starting at verse 5. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. That is what Job says in chapter 42. So, Stan, I think that's instructive for us, don't you? In the midst of this, God is revealing whatever it is we're dealing with. He's revealing who he is. Sometimes he graciously answers a why or gives us a little light. But most importantly, it's, okay, this is who I am in the midst of your circumstance. And and this is who God is. You know, one of the things that thrills me about Job uh, and really thrills me about G.I. Packer's uh, comment as well is that uh, it reminds us that we are sort of in an arena (laughs) and uh, we are being watched, you know, not just by God. I mean, I'm always aware that God has his eye on me, but we are, in a sense, uh, living out our faith before the heavenly powers, I mean, before the angels and even the demons. And so even if we're alone in our struggle, uh, our, our circumstances have a cosmic impact, a cosmic echo. And to me, that's really thrilling because um, nothing is meaningless, nothing is wasted, and we can glorify God even in our... Uh, you know, loneliest times, even in our most difficult times, we know that we're being watched. I mean, Hebrews chapter 12 says, we're, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we follow Christ. And, uh, you know, I don't know about that passage in particular, if it's speaking literally or figuratively, but I do know that uh, what we do matters. And even if we don't have the answer as to why, we know that we can live faithfully for God you know, whatever happens. That, that's that's never beyond us. We can always uh, glorify him, even when we're at our weakest. I want to digress for just a moment here, Stan. Uh, the Cambridge Dictionary, I know you've seen this, has been criticized by many on social media for altering the definitions of the words man and woman to include people who identify as a uh, gender other than their biological sex. 
Um, if you were writing a column on this, what are some thoughts that you would bring to that column? Well, Kurt and Kate, um, this has uh, sort of sparked my thinking that maybe it's time to get my podcast going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. And, and uh, the first thing I thought of was uh, a quote from uh, George Ordwell's 1984. Uh, I'd like to share it with you. It says, Every record has been destroyed or falsified, every book rewritten, every picture has been repainted, every statue and street building has been renamed, every date has been altered, and the process is continuing day by day and minute by minute. History has stopped. Nothing exists except an endless present in which the party is always right. (laughs) I feel like this... uh, uh, rewriting of the definition in the Cambridge Dictionary and elsewhere, uh, by the way, is a perfect example of this. We Now we can't even trust our dictionaries. They're being rewritten uh, to reflect uh, this uh, radical, um, godless ideology where um, what God said about creating mankind, male and female, is no longer an option in our culture. And those who hold to it are, are considered um, bigots and dangerous. So, yeah, I feel very badly about it. You know, I, I was thinking about it um, just a few months ago. Uh, Ketanji Brown Jackson was uh, uh, in hearings at, as she'd been nominated for the Supreme Court by the president. And one of the uh, conservative senators, uh, knowing uh, some of her legal background, asked her for the definition of a woman and she said, basically, that she didn't know. Well, now we know because Cambridge has told us that uh, it can be pretty much anything you want. And, uh, you know, it's very dangerous. Um, this is not a matter of opinion. We've, we've held to the definition of a woman once we knew the science for generations. And, in fact, we've, we've held to it for millennia. It's, it's, not a, it's not a mystery. It's not something hidden. But uh, because of our desire to push away from God and uh, uh, create our own realities. Um, we're ensnaring more and more people into this kind of foolishness. I, mean, I hate to be so direct, but, um, you know, if you want to have a parallel, you could think of the emperor's new clothes where everyone sort of goes along with an obvious falsehood mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they're afraid to say anything. Yeah. And we need to keep uh, speaking the truth, speaking in love, but, uh, you know, it's, it's completely ridiculous, and it's har- harming people even as we speak. So especially children you know, who don't have the uh, life experience or the uh, mental acuity at this point to be able to combat that. So people who do know the truth need to speak the truth in love, and we mm-hmm. need to uh, continue to bring the gospel to bear on the issues of the day because you can see what happens uh, when the gospel is absent. Oh, boy, that's so true. So the definition of a woman now is an adult who lives and identifies as female, though they may have been said to have a different sex at birth. A man is now defined as an adult who lives and identifies as a male, though they may have been said to have a different sex at birth. Yeah. You know, uh, and it's obvious that this is a truth, because when you hear those medical commercials, which we all hate. <laughs> but but some of the drugs are like if you were assigned a different gender at birth, they you know, they because it you are what you are born. You don't have to like it and that's okay. You know what I mean? You don't have to be happy with it. That is not an indicator that you're not that. You know? Yeah. 
and and yeah. medically that's a that's a significant difference so it is well in my lifetime kate um the diagnostic and statistical manual i think it was of the american psychological association uh identified gender dysphoria as a disorder that needed to be um, dealt with through things like counseling mm-hmm. yeah, so that uh, people's internal thoughts about what sex they were aligned with their bodies. And now we have it completely reversed. Yeah. If, if, if they don't, if the thoughts don't align with, with physical reality, then we change the physical reality to fit the thoughts. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's just crazy. It really yeah. is. It's crazy. I can't think of another word for it. And and it's and people. Well, did you hear about the uh, the Navy SEAL guy? Yes. Who came out yeah. as mm-hmm. saying that he was transgender, and now he's saying, "I've ruined my life. Yeah. I was in a bad place, and people convinced me." He had one meeting, and then they started with the with the. Uh, it was a short meeting too. It was yeah. like fifteen and minutes he said, or now something he's, like that. He, you know, he heard him. Say, he's taking the blame himself, but he said, "I had a lot of help." And I read in a when I went to my endocrinologist a decade or so ago, uh, an article just saying, as kids who might feel that they're a different gender than they were born as a child, often, almost always, grow up and feel no, they were wrong. You can't trust a child's feelings to be to be true. They're not fully developed. They're real, but they're not tr- necessarily true. So. Uh, that's just frightening to do something permanent to a child who, you know, uh, my daughter wanted to be a rabbit, you know. <laughs> it's like she, that you know, you just can't. You yeah. can't, um, you can't trust your feelings. We know that as adults. Why should we trust the feelings of a child? Well, because we have an agenda, right, yeah. Stan? I don't know what that's about. It's not helping anyone. It, well... You know, I've I've been reading some of this has been happening at places like uh, Vanderbilt University Medical Center and elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I hate to say it because it's so crass, and I don't think everyone who is involved in this is is this way, but there's a lot of money in this. um, Yeah, Yeah, you're right. Not Mm -hmm. only is it surgery, but then all the follow-ups, all the hormones, everything. It's just an endless stream of, of new money that they never had before. So it, it's really bad, and we need to speak up. I'd like to hear more about it from the pulpit. I'd like to hear yeah. more about it um, from writers like me. Yes, and it's not really about the people having these feelings. It's the people who endanger them with their ideas. You know, say, oh, you feel that way? Well, here, let's do this for you. Where You should say you feel that way. Mm-hmm. That's a feeling. Let's talk about this. And really, it has, should be a long enormously long process to, to help them with their feelings. Yeah. Hey, guys, um, you know what? I ran across a current series from Pastor Alistair Begg from Truth For Life. I'm not sure uh, if he's doing this. Uh, we air his program at noon, Monday through Friday, right here on Moody Radio. Um, he's doing a series on Romans 1, and the title he has for this series is God Gave Them Up. He addresses a lot of the stuff that we're talking about here this morning. And uh, see, I've, I've, I've watched part one. I'm halfway through part two. I would encourage 
everybody. Stan, have you seen this? Have you have you uh, connected with Alistair Begg and his message on I, this? I love Alistair Begg, but I have not seen this, but I, I plan to watch. All right. God gave them up, guys. Do a search on YouTube. In fact, uh, I'm going to get producer Mark to uh, see if we can uh, make that available on Facebook. Or, Kate, maybe you can post it on Facebook. But it's Alistair Begg and God gave them up. And I think that this is probably his sermon on this. I mean, this passage of Scripture is... I think the best I've ever heard is exposition of all of this, and yet he talks about our current moment. But Stan, the cool thing is the truths that he is unpacking, they are timeless because they're right out of the Word of God, and they are right on time, right for the moment. Yeah, and uh, we, we need more people like Alistair Begg to speak out because this is, this is an ongoing crisis. It's a social contagion. And, you know— the last thing I want to say about it is we don't need to be self-righteous about it. Uh, we have our own issues. Yes. Um, we, need to, we need to love these people and show yes. them that, that Christ cares for them and not of recoil from them in horror. Of because course. That's, that's not the answer. Right on. Stan, thank you for being with us today. As always, a very profitable conversation. And Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thank you. You too. God bless.